Who's watched Kung Fu Panda? <laughs> Kung Fu Panda. It's an animated film. It's one of my favorite animated films, actually. And I think it has an important lesson for us this morning. So I'm going to show you one of my, one of my favorite scenes, the training scene from Kung Fu Panda. Without further ado, here we go. Free to eat. Am I? Are you? 
So believe it or not, I think this fun little scene here has, I, I think, a fundamental truth of being a Christian inside of it. And that's that we are learning from a master. You see, the, in this scene, Master Shifu asks Panda, do you want to learn Kung Fu? And Panda answers, yes. And then Shifu's answer is, then I am your master. So the, the question presented to us this morning is, do you want to be a Christian? To be a Christian means to walk humbly, to learn patience, to help others, to strive for holiness, to practice extraordinary love, and to run towards the reward of living forever with God and his Son in the perfect kingdom. And the question we need to answer is, do we want to be a part of that? And if the answer is yes, then Jesus becomes our master. Fortunately for us, when Jesus becomes our master, we don't have to go do a bunch of sit-ups and push-ups, <laughs> luckily. But we do have to practice different skills. We, we have to learn different techniques and learn to say and talk differently. And we have to learn a few different sacrifices. And that means be, being a student of Jesus means spending a lot of time with the master, sitting across the table from him, following him around, sitting at his feet, and learning what he does every day. And the word most often used in Christianity for this following after the master is what we call discipleship, right? And becoming a disciple is not something that is very common in American culture, because we go to school to learn. We learn from different teachers. It's not like we follow one person around for years at a time and study under them to learn. But this was a very common practice in Jesus' day. Around five years old, uh, little boys and girls, Jewish boys and girls, would go and study the Old Testament, and they'd move through different various sections of study with their rabbi, which is, just means teacher. And the ones who were really good, the ones who really took to their studies, would be then offered the opportunity to become a tal- Talmudim. All right, so there's this extracurricular book called the Talmud, which is just a, an assortment of Jewish t- teachings, right? And so Talmudim is students of the Talmud. And so these students would go on, often leaving their homes to study with a well-known, famous rabbi in Israel. So he would have a few students who followed him around, some coming in, some going out. And they would imitate everything he did, everything they said. They would take a note of it so that eventually they could become like him. They could become a leader and also take on their own students and become teachers. Jesus was known as a rabbi. That's what he was known as by his disciples and by fellow uh, leaders as well. They often called him rabbi. And that's because he did a very similar thing with his students. He did exactly that, actually, except they weren't young kids. They were adults, and we don't call them Talmudim. We call them disciples. And the word disciple just means student. But it's a little deeper than that. It's more like a pupil or an apprentice. 
it kind of has this connotation of someone who is constantly associated with their teacher. It's kind of the next level of a student. And the disciples, just like Panda in the movie, studied under Jesus so they could learn to do what he did. Panda learned Kung Fu from Shifu. The disciples learned how to live for God through Jesus. And it's a very intense and personal way of learning, and it requires a lot of effort and sacrifice. And that's what we're talking about today. We're talking about this method of learning, this method called discipleship. And what it takes for us to be good disciples, and what is required for us in the process. So if you would, turn with me to John chapter 13, 12 through 7. And just for context, what we are about to read from Jesus takes place at the Last Supper with his disciples. So at this point, the disciples have been following him around for almost three years. And they've been living with him, learning with him, eating with him, sleeping with him, just living life alongside Jesus. And along the way, they wrote down his words. That's how we have the Gospels. And they also were corrected quite a bit. But they also saw what, it was, what good, correct faith, they saw that commended. And so they've been with Jesus for three years And in the pivotal hours, the last hours of Jesus' life before he was crucified, he wants to tell his disciples this. So obviously it's really important. What does he say? On the next day, uh, sorry, so when he had washed, it's John chapter 13, right? That's it. I did that last week too, it was just one chapter off. So when he had washed their feet and had taken his garments and reclined on the table, he said to them, Do you know what I have done to you? You call me teacher, which is rabbi. You call me teacher and Lord, just another word for master. And you are right, so I am. If then the Lord and the teacher washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I gave you an example that you also should do as I did to you. Truly, truly, I say to you, a slave is not greater than his master, nor is one who is sent greater than the one who sent him. If you know these things, you are blessed if you do them. So Jesus does something that a teacher wouldn't normally do with his disciples. He, he provides for them with an act of humility and service. He, he washes their feet, right? And then this unusual gesture, this unusual service gets the attention of the disciples. I think it kind of would shock them, like, what is Jesus doing washing our feet? So they have, he has their full attention, and then he tells them, he, he tells them, I am your teacher and Lord. He affirms who he is to them. Like I said, Lord is just another way of saying master. He knows who he is. He knows what authority he has. That he knows his position with the disciples as this teacher, as this leader. And he tells them to follow his example. He tells them, do what I did. Just in this moment by serving others. Right? But I think grander, he's telling them, do like I did. Follow me. Do what I did. And I think the reason behind this command is because he wants us to study with him. And I think he told them this so that they would write it down so that we can read it now and know what we need to do. That we can follow Jesus. And we need to be careful how we think about this because he specifically says that the servant is not greater than his master, nor is the messenger 
greater than the one who served him. So we need to be careful and not be prideful about where we've come from or what we've done or what we know, how many Bible verses we have memorized. We need to, we need to be careful of that because at no point are we going to surpass Jesus, right? So we can always be learning from him, continuing to learn from him. And so as we follow his example and do what he does, we get to know him. We get to be like him. And if we do that, Jesus promises a certain blessing, a certain blessing in our lives. But this isn't the only time that Jesus spoke to the disciples about learning from him. Look what he says in Matthew 16, 24 through 25. Then Jesus said to his disciples, If anyone wishes to come after me, he must deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. For whoever wishes to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. So Jesus lays out three really important, I would call them prerequisites, to becoming a disciple of Jesus. These are the things that need to happen if you want to be a true disciple. Number one, self-denial. Right? I think you guys were talking about that in God's at War this morning. Denying yourself. Putting yourself aside. And becoming a student means, a student of Jesus specifically means self-denial. Putting, putting ourselves and our pleasures and our preferences aside when they conflict with what Jesus commands. So that's, I'm not saying that you can't enjoy life, right? I'm not saying you can't treat yourself or do the things that you enjoy. But what it means is that Jesus takes the priority. So if there's anything that conflicts, if there's anything that you want to do or want to say, if there's anything in your life that goes against the commands of Jesus, that overrides you. It takes priority over you. And you have to realize that. You have to deny yourself in that process. The second thing he mentions is suffering. Picking up our cross and following him. So if we think about it, suffering is something we usually try to avoid, right? I I tend not to want to get hurt or be in pain or be uncomfortable. But in the case of Jesus, he literally carried his cross. The execution device that he was going to die on which was usually forced upon criminals, criminals, he willingly took it up. They weren't dragging him and screaming and fighting to the cross. He knew that this is what he had to bear, and he did it. He picked it up willingly. And that's what he's asking us to do. He's asking us to willingly suffer for the sake of the kingdom. There are times when following Jesus means that we are going to walk headfirst, full of fully knowing what we're walking into, that we are going to suffer. That we are going to suffer financially, emotionally, physically. We are going to suffer in some kind of pain. And each of us has that cross as an individual to pick up and to walk with Jesus. And sometimes we bear them as a group. Maybe North Kent has a specific cross that we bear together. Or... Maybe it's a family group or a friend. You can bear crosses together, but they're specific and they change based on season of life and circumstance. So suffering is a prerequisite to following Jesus and being his disciple. And lastly, he says to follow, which means that you have to let Jesus take the lead. 
This requires you to check your pride at the door, which is something that we also don't like to do. We like to be in control. We like to be autonomous and make our own decisions. Have you guys ever ridden in a car with someone who's a crazy driver before? You know exactly what it's like to not be in a situation where you're in control and how scary that can be, right? But our ability to handle those situations that are tough is directly linked to our trust in the one in control. So do you trust Jesus? Do you trust him to lead you the correct way? And if you do, that makes following a whole lot easier. So Jesus tells us to deny ourselves, to willingly suffer when we're called to, and to steadfastly follow him. So this idea of becoming a student, this idea of becoming a disciple, really morphs from just something we do to more of a lifestyle. A lifestyle of sacrifice and commitment and consistency. And then there are these different aspects of discipleship. I say there's like two sides of discipleship. What we see here in Matthew 28, 19 through 20 is the first side of discipleship is making other disciples. As Jesus says here, he says, go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I commanded you. So followers of Jesus are supposed to spread the word about the teacher and about the master and make more disciples. And this is called the process of conversion where someone decides that they want to become a follower of Christ. And then there's a second part, teaching them to observe all the commands that Jesus gave. And that's a lifelong pursuit. That's that's reading the Bible and learning from spiritual leaders. And that involves other other Christians encouraging you in the daily pursuit of Christ, helping us be corrected and formed in the image of Christ. And if you ever get to the point where you think you no longer have any place to grow in Jesus... You're not looking hard enough. And I promise you, if you ask one of a a fellow Christian that you trust, they'll tell you exactly where you're falling short of Jesus. So the question is, do you want to be a Christian? I know that many of us have said yes to that already. But I don't think this message was a waste of time for us, even if we've already made that commitment, because we are still disciples, And therefore, we still need to take decisive action towards growth and learning from our master. So taking into consideration what we've read this morning and the many years that we've all lived in a learned experience of following Jesus, I think here are some steps that we can use, that you can use to continue to grow. Number one, remember the relationship. So when we become Christians, we become students. We become disciples, and it's that position that we hold with Jesus. We need to understand that relationship, because what that relationship means is that we're children of God, and every single relationship comes with special rights and special responsibilities. So think about a marriage. In a marriage, there are unique special rights that only a husband and wife hold with each other. There are also unique special responsibilities that they have between each other. Responsibility is love and respect and commitment and faithfulness. And the same is with our student-to-master relationship with Jesus. It comes with the right to become a child of God. 
It comes with the gift of eternal life. It comes with a bunch of these benefits, but it also comes with the responsibility of commitment and faithfulness and love and obedience and humility. Which means that we have to show up. When it comes to acts of obedience to our Lord, we have to do them or we can't be obedient. It's simple. But being present physically is not usually enough. Right? It's all about the heart. It's about showing up emotionally and spiritually. What's the point of worship? What's the point of singing here this morning if your heart's not in it? Right? What's the point of going to church if you don't want to be there? What's the point of the church providing opportunities to study the Bible if you don't show up to them? What's the point of doing service to others if you resent the ones you are serving? Right? So showing up is such an important part of following Jesus. I think you get the idea. Number three, we need to be consistent in that. The word faithful is just another word for being loyal or being consistent and being steadfast. In turn, being unfaithful is being inconsistent. The disciples followed Jesus every single day. It's not like they would take a couple months off at a time to go do whatever they wanted to do, and then they come back and they work really hard at following Jesus for a couple of days and then take another couple of months off, right? That's not how it works. Because growth is the accumulative effort of daily commitment. And it means being consistent in Bible reading and meditation and prayer and fellowship. And it's growth and discipleship helpens, happens through those accumulative efforts, through those consistent efforts every single day. And if they don't become a priority, then they don't happen. So consider this a sober reminder from one disciple to another. That we need to be consistently walking in the footsteps of our Lord. Every single day. Now be honest, I know that we have heard all of this before. I, I, I know this is not a new message. And I've heard this my entire life. But to this day, I think it is good for us to be reminded of who we are and what is required of us with our relationship with Jesus. He is the master. We are the students. We're the disciples. And if we want to keep growing, which I hope we do, we need to keep trying. We need to keep putting in effort because each day is going to bring a new opportunity for us to share Jesus with others, to follow that first command of discipleship. And then each new day is going to bring its own challenges and opportunities to grow, to practice being more like Jesus. And when we first met the disciples in the Gospels, they were a completely different set of people than after the three years that they spent with Jesus. And you are going to change as well. It's not going to be like, oh, overnight, I'm a totally different person. But years back, you're going to see that you have changed completely if you follow Jesus. So I hope this morning has encouraged you to remember your role in relationship with Jesus. I hope it has pushed you towards showing up more. And I hope that you have felt the desire to be more consistent, to do more of what Jesus wants you to do. And if you haven't made that commitment yet, I really encourage you to think it over because Jesus is worth all the sacrifice it takes to follow him. And if you've already made that commitment, I want you to join me now in a prayer where we are just 
setting ourselves humbly at the feet of Jesus and learning from him who is ultimately showing us who God is. Let's pray. God, I thank you for sending your son to us who calls us to a higher way of living, to holiness. And I pray that you give us what we need to follow him, that your spirit moves in our lives so that we can be faithful disciples, disciples that live with Jesus every single day. And it's in his name that we pray. Amen.